the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTPN, Pinellas Park. Now, this is most relevant, absolutely most relevant, because there are many people in churches today who are angry and bitter towards others. That's the way they've lived for years. They go to church, they sing hymns, they give an offering, they may even be involved in a ministry, they may even lead a ministry. But they are so angry at someone that they've refused to talk to them for years. They are guilty of murder. Frederick Buechner in Wishful Thinking Transformed by Thorns wrote, Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come. To savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. Oh, what a powerful description that is. And a great warning. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying the Sermon on the Mount, and today Pastor Steve is wrapping up a three-part message from Matthew 5, verses 21 through 26. In these verses, Jesus began to express his spiritual and moral authority over us. And he corrected some of the wrong teaching that his listeners had received from their teachers. It's the same wrong teaching that has persisted even to this very day, that murder is the physical act of ending another person's life. But by Jesus' standards, we are all guilty of murder. Listen as Pastor Steve explains. Now listen, the Pharisees thought they were innocent. They thought they were good people. They thought they were innocent of murder because they hadn't taken anyone's life. And maybe that's the way you think. Maybe that's the way you think. That's the way most people think, but they're wrong, and and you're wrong if you think that. If you have had animosity in your heart towards anybody, and all of us have, then we are as guilty of committing murder as any serial killer. Now, that'll take a swipe at self-righteousness, won't it? Now, you understand why the Pharisees were so lifted up with pride, why, why Jesus gave a parable of the Pharisees who said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people those common people. That's just wicked pride. And, and we're guilty of that too. If we have the attitude, we're above others. Because look how terrible what, a, what that person did. Listen, we're all capable of that. And in our hearts, we've done it. We've done it. Maybe we just didn't have enough courage and boldness to actually murder someone physically, but we've done it in our hearts and we're guilty. In our, in our pride, And there are many people like this, that they are so proud and they don't deal with their pride. They are constantly angry. I know people like this. The anger is just below the surface. It does not take much to bring it out. It's like pushing a button. One one little word brings it out. It is just simmering below the surface. And when when you have that attitude, you look down with contempt upon others because you think you're superior to them and you don't recognize your own sin because you don't necessarily go and physically do those things, but you have that anger right there. 
Now, as believers in Christ, as I said before, we sometimes have restrained, we have strained relationships with others. And at times we can get very angry with them. But let me emphasize this again. The difference between a fa- the false righteousness of the Pharisees and the true righteousness of, of born-again believers is that we do something about our strained relationships. We repent and we make every effort to be reconciled with everyone and anyone we have wronged, regardless of how humbling it is to us, regardless of that. And that's why Jesus went on to give a second important truth about murder and righteousness. The first one is that murder is an issue of the heart. Secondly, second important truth about murder and righteousness is that the solution to murder is resolving conflicts with others. I want to read to you verses 23 through 26. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. Now, having told us that anger is is at the heart of murder, the Lord now gives two illustrations of the importance of resolving conflicts with others so that we don't harbor evil thoughts. We don't harbor animosity. It doesn't, it doesn't continuously go on and on. The first illustration that he gave is in the context of a Jewish person worshiping the Lord at the temple in the city of Jerusalem. And just as he's about to offer an animal sacrifice, and Jewish people, by the way, had a by law, had to go up at least three times a year to certain special feast festivals to offer these sacrifices. But just as this, this person is about to offer a sacrifice for his sin, there he suddenly remembers, as he's thinking about his own sin, there it comes to his mind that he's actually wronged somebody. He's, a, he's about to have this animal killed as a symbolic measure of of his own sin and there he remembers a specific sin he's wronged somebody jesus said that 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 person is to leave the animal there and go and be reconciled he said that being reconciled to that person is so important that he's to just stop whatever he's doing stop his worship Go to his his brother and resolve the conflict. Now, this is really significant. Keep in mind, the people that Jesus was addressing in in the Sermon on the Mount were Galileans. Jerusalem is about a three days journey from Galilee. Is Jesus saying this is so important that you be reconciled to your brother that you actually give the animal to somebody or just lose it and then go make a three-day journey north to Galilee, straighten it out, be reconciled and then come back another three days journey to Jerusalem. That's exactly what he's saying. It's exactly what he's saying. He said, go, it's so important. Stop your worship. Go travel. It'll take you about a week. You'll do it. Then come back and worship. He said, be reconciled. How do we get reconciled? How do we become reconciled to our brother? And he's using, by the way, brother in a generic sense, not not just another believer, not somebody in your family, but anybody you've wronged. How do you get reconciled? The only way reconciliation ever takes place is by humbly asking someone's forgiveness. I've sinned against you. 
would you please forgive me? I've asked God to forgive me. Now I ask you to forgive me. I was wrong. That's so important. That, that's so important. Let me, let me put this in the context of a Christian today. This means that if you are in the middle of a church service, perhaps this morning as you're observing the Lord's Supper, you're remembering that the elements speak of Christ's death for your sin, and suddenly you remember as you're thinking about your sin, yeah, yeah, I've wronged somebody. I wronged somebody, whether it's recent or many years ago, and I never have gotten it right. The Bible says that you are to leave church immediately. You are, to, you are to leave church immediately and get this conflict resolved. Now, in our day and age, you don't have to travel. We have, we have phones. Go outside and make a phone call. Don't, don't use your cell phone in the service here. Go outside, make a phone call. Or maybe you have to go to somebody in the service and get it straightened out. But don't take the Lord's Supper. Don't continue with worship until you resolve this. That's what the Lord is saying. Now, this is most relevant. Absolutely most relevant because there are many people in churches today who are angry and bitter towards others. That's the way they've lived for years. They go to church, they sing hymns, they give an offering, they may even be involved in a ministry. They may even lead a ministry, but they are so angry at someone that they've refused to talk to them for years. They are guilty of murder. Christ's point is to say that if you are really a citizen of his kingdom, then the righteous standards of Scripture, of his, his righteous standards, demand that you do something. Do something about it. Resolve it. Something no proud, legalistic Pharisee would ever do. Humble yourself by confessing your sin and getting things right between yourself and that person. See, let me just tell you, a Pharisee, a Pharisee and there are many Christians or many, many who profess to know Christ, but they, beneath the surface they are Pharisees. And one of the marks of a Pharisee in, as, who's disguised as a believer is that he's proud, too proud. And we all struggle with pride. I understand that there's not one person here, no matter how godly you are, who, who doesn't struggle with pride. But a Pharisee doesn't struggle with pride. A Pharisee is proud and proud of it. He's never going to humble himself. It's not a struggle. He's not going to go to anybody. Or if he does, he'll, and I've said this before, he'll apologize with a tone of, uh, I'm sorry if I hurt you. I'm sorry if you think I've done anything against you. That's not asking forgiveness. That's really saying you're too unspiritual to get this right. You, you, you've misinterpreted what I've done. No, a true believer humbles himself. Look, I've been angry with you. I've been, I was rude to you. I spoke out of turn to you. I did something wrong. I have not forgiven you for something you did to me, and I've been carrying this, and please forgive me, I was wrong. No justification, no rationalization. That's the way a believer responds. That's true righteousness. The Pharisees' idea of righteousness was that they just looked down upon other people. It's always somebody else's fault, never their fault. Once in a while in my uh, premarital counseling couples who are engaged and they have to go through several weeks of, of counseling. Um, on occasion, I have, I have asked, tell, and this is to couples who are raised in Christian homes, did you ever hear your parents ask you to forgive them? Do they ever admit they were wrong? And, and sadly enough, I have heard on a number of occasions people saying, no, never heard them say that. Even one who was in full-time ministry, dad was in full-time ministry, daughter never heard her dad ever asked for forgiveness. Now, either the guy's not a sinner, which you know that's not true, or he's a 
proud Pharisee. What a danger. Listen, humble yourself. Ask forgiveness. If you've been wrong, especially to your children, Paul made it very clear to the Ephesians, do not exasperate your children, which means don't do things against them that, that provokes them to anger, that, that takes the, 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 the wind out of their sails. You see, many children who are exasperated and angry with Christian parents because, because mom and dad are, are being hypocrites and not living consistently. And the children are angry, and mom and dad have never asked forgiveness. Pharisees don't do that. But true Christians do. True Christians don't say things like, well, sorry. Like, it's your fault. Say, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I, I was wrong. Now, someone might say, but what if they've sinned against me? Well, you're never justified in sinning back against them. If they've sinned against you, then do what Matthew 18 says. Go to them and tell them and be reconciled that way but you're never justified. You need to forgive them. That's what Scripture says. In fact, let's, let's look back at, at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 is so very helpful because it just lays it on the line as, as far as our behavior. Don't ever justify your sinful simmering. That's what Pharisees do. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Isn't it interesting Paul said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What grieves him? Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That's, that's what we put away from, uh, from ourselves. That's, that's the, the wicked murderous thoughts he's talking about. But we're to replace those. It's not just enough to say, well, okay, I'm going to avoid somebody. I just won't talk to them. I'll just get out of their life. Listen, that's not enough. That's not what, what righteousness does. That's, that's too easy, and that doesn't solve the problem. Paul said in verse 32, here's what you do. It's not enough to refrain. Well, I just won't talk to them. If I don't see them, I'm okay. Paul said, be kind to one another. You've got to be around somebody to be kind to them. Tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That's true righteousness. That's the way that we're to behave. Don't just dismiss someone and say, I've got real problems with that person, real issues, and I've just avoid them. That's, that's fine. That's not fine. That's not fine. That's what a Pharisee would do. It's not what a true believer is to do. Now, Jesus gave a second illustration about resolving a personal conflict. First one was in the context of worship. Second one is, the con is in the context of a legal setting. Let me read it to you again. Verse 25, make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Under Roman law, and this is what the Lord is referring to, this is the cultural background. Under Roman law, any citizen could make an arrest. He didn't need to call the police. The accuser could arrest you for some legal violation or what he perceived as a legal violation. And in this context, he's probably talking about something owed to him. You owe somebody money, you haven't paid it, or you owe them in livestock or whatever it is. And he comes along, he grabs you, and he is taking you into court. Now, once the court got involved, it was too late to settle the matter privately. The judge could find you guilty, and then you'd be turned over to the jailer, thrown into prison until Jesus said the, land, the, the debt was completely paid. 
And once again, the Lord is saying in this, in this illustration that it is our responsibility, not somebody else's, our responsibility to be reconciled with our accuser by settling the account quickly. If you've sinned by owing someone some, something that you haven't paid them, then go pay them. Resolve it. Pay them what you owe them. You've sinned against him by not paying him. Pay him what you owe him. Now, both of these illustrations stress the same thing. And listen very closely. Here's what they stress. God's intention in giving the law prohibiting murder was not simply to avoid homicide. Not simply to avoid homicide. It was to encourage us to get along well with others, to nurture good, healthy human relationships. And we do this by making sure that our hearts are right with God and that our hearts are right and we're right with others. And when we are not right, True righteousness, the righteousness that prevails in his kingdom says that we are to urgently seek out those we have sinned against and ask them to forgive us. The stress here is on urgency. You're worshiping and now you know that you've sinned against someone. It comes to your mind. Urgently, take care of it. If you're being hauled into court, urgently, take care of it. Urgently. Regardless of what others have done to you, you have a responsibility to resolve it. If you've sinned in any way against them, then you take care of it. That's the kind of righteousness that that far surpasses the false righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. And this is the kind of righteousness that followers of the king must live by. Now, that really leads us, and this is a perfect tie-in to the Lord's Supper that we are observing this morning. Are you right with others. Are you right with others? Now, maybe there's somebody you've tried to get things straightened out with and they won't listen to you. That's another story. You've tried and they won't listen to you and your heart, you, you hold no animosity towards them. But many of us may have issues with people, not just differences of opinions, but, but malice in our hearts. Is there anyone you need to speak to in order to resolve this conflict, then when we, when we bow our heads to pray, then you leave and go get it straightened out. Because the Bible says, if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you anyway. Your worship is false. Regarding iniquity is not struggling with sin. Regarding iniquity is, is cherishing sin. It's refusing to repent, hardening your heart. Anyone you've offended, then do it now. Then do it now. Anyone you've spoken rudely to, Anyone you've done anything against, maybe you've just been angry towards somebody and they know it, then go to them. You see, Jesus died, died for our sins. And it makes no sense. It's ludicrous to think that we can worship him and observe the Lord's Supper and remember his death for us and praise him, but yet continue in our sin. That, that's, that doesn't make sense. It's not, it's not reasonable. If there's anger in your heart that no one knows about, only God, then only confess it to God. Don't go to somebody who has no clue about it and say, I've been angry with you for months now. You'll do more damage than you will benefit them. Just confess it to him. And then do something kind for that person. If there's a lack of forgiveness in your heart towards someone who sinned against you and you're bitter about it, forgive them now. Forgive them now. Jesus has forgiven you if you're a true believer. But if you've never experienced Christ's forgiveness, and you know what? You can. 
You need to repent of your sin. You need to turn to him and trust him for salvation. The truth is, folks, that all of us are murderers, regardless of of our spiritual condition. We're all murderers. We've all, we've all killed in our hearts. We're all guilty before a holy God. The difference is, is that those who have come to Christ for salvation have been forgiven of those murders. We've been forgiven. We're no less murderers. We've just been forgiven. And on our record, God is declared righteous. Righteous. It's the righteousness of his son. More than forgiven, God looks at our record and legally sees that, that he has applied the righteousness of Christ to our account. It isn't that we're just forgiven. It's that God says you are perfectly righteous, as righteous as his son. But if you're not a believer, then, then there's no legal record of righteousness on your account. And you have never been forgiven. Forgiveness comes through faith in Christ and Christ alone. I urge you to do that. If you're a believer, then you may take the Lord's Supper this morning. But only if you're a believer who's in right relationship with him. Everything's right between you and him and other people. If you're not a believer, then, then you're our guest. Then just let the elements pass you by. That's fine. This is only for believers. Let's bow for prayer. Let's make sure our hearts are right with him and with others. Lord, indeed, we stand before you not justifying our sin, but admitting that we have been angry towards others. Just as James said, why do we quarrel? Because we want, we lust, we desire, and we have not, so we commit murder. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to see it. I pray as believers you'll help us to deal with the pride of anger. And I pray, Father, as believers, you will help us to be right with one another. I, I pray that everyone here who, who names the name of Christ will have reconciliation with everyone else. Lord, we're, we're told to pursue peace. Now, with some people, they don't want, they don't want to be at peace with us, but we're told to pursue it, to take it as far as we can and never to be angry at them. Lord, I pray that there would be nothing but forgiveness, nothing but love in our hearts towards others, recognizing that whatever has been done to us, you've allowed. So you're sovereign. And so I pray, Lord, for this. I, I pray that you will help us to humble ourselves, Lord, ask others to forgive us, be right with each other, never to be like the Pharisees, too proud to admit that they've ever done anything wrong, especially, Lord, with our children, those who have young children at home. Uh, help help them to not hide behind a false piety, but to humble themselves and ask forgiveness, not to exasperate our children, not to make them angry because of our hypocrisy. Now, Father, as we recognize the precious death of the Lamb, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, we thank you that he died for our murders. He died for our anger. He experienced the fiery hell that we deserve. And we praise you for that and we thank you. We thank you for Christ's death on our behalf. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord help us when we feel that flash of anger to pause and ask ourselves if it comes out of a zeal for the Lord's glory or if it's just our own selfish pride raising its ugly head. Pastor Steve Kreloff will have more to share from the Sermon on the Mount on our next Verse by Verse. 
Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. To find out more about Lakeside, go online to lakesidechapel.com or call the office at 727-441-1714. Today's broadcast is the conclusion of a three-part message. The whole message is available on a free CD. If you'd like to have one, call Lakeside at 727-441-1714 and ask for message 4128, Murder and Righteousness. Another listening option is the message archive page at our website, versebyverseradio.org. All of our broadcasts are available there for free streaming or downloading. Also at the website, we have a giving page where you can help support this ministry. Your gifts and prayers are essential to keeping these radio Bible classes on the air, and we thank you for your generous gifts. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. You've most likely heard about the little boy who was forced by his parents to sit down. After lots of fussing, he finally complied, but with his arms folded across his chest, he informed his parents that he may be sitting down on the outside, but he was still standing on the inside. (laughs) That's pretty much what we do when we lust for someone we're not married to. Jesus says that even if we haven't followed through and acted on those feelings, we've committed adultery just by nurturing those kinds of thoughts. Join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff continues our examination of the Sermon on the Mount. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.